I hope you all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Our amazing Great Women in Fraud guest this week is author Abby Ellen. She is the author of Duped and Teenage Wasteland and writes for many outlets, including the New York Times. This might be the first time you hear Brussels sprouts in an episode. Spoiler alert. She is a wonderful writer, and I love that she took the time to riff with me. It's a different episode because we just had fun. Here is a quote from the former CIA chief of disguise, Jonna Heaston Mendez, about her book. Quote, from the wildly entertaining opening chapter of Dupe, Abby Ellen explores the why and how of great imposters, many of whom occupied important swaths of her life. Swerving from the deceitful, manipulative, pathological narcissist to the professional use of lie detectors, she makes researching dishonesty an entertaining and fascinating read. Now, isn't that a great recommendation? I think you're going to go out and buy it right away. It's a crazy small world, and let's get started. Okay, so today we have Abby Ellen, and this is one of these crazy stories where like someone knew me who knew Abby, who, which is Lisa Lawler, and um, she connected us, and then Abby wrote the most awesome book, Duped, and um, there's a little bit of me in it, but I just love how we can connect this way. So Abby, give your sort of, it's not an elevator story because it's so much more than that, but give however you want to be explained to Great Women in Fraud. It's it's an elevator uh, it's an elevator story if you're going to like the Empire State Building you know and you have a lot of time in the elevator <laughs> um, the very briefly and then we can get into it later is I was engaged to a guy who turned out to be a pathological liar and went to jail so that's the brief nice brief story and I thought something was wrong with him and I left him within a year and it wasn't until a year and a half later that I got a call from NCIS saying, yeah, there's a doctor who's writing prescriptions for narcotics and you're one of the names that he's been using fake fraudulently. Do you know this guy? Do you have a prescription? And I said, I know him and no, I don't. And that's, that's what happened. Elevator and I were at the top of the building. Okay. But you do have to put in the Brussels sprouts. Oh, well that that's part. Okay. So with the, what, what, finally happens I left him he was telling me all these stories these crazy stories about how oh god he was you know had been a navy seal and he worked with the CIA and all of this stuff that was completely and totally unverifiable um you know you can't call Mr. Mr. CIA human resources and say hey do you have this guy in your office so I didn't know what to believe uh as a journalist i needed to fact check and i couldn't fact check so that was really maddening for me so it was finally when we went out to dinner with my parents and he raved about the brussels sprouts in this random weird unworthy and unnotable restaurant in washington dc and then he said they were the greatest brussels sprouts ever and then we left and he said god that was a terrible meal and i said why did you lie and he said I wanted to make your parents feel good. And I said, they didn't cook it. They don't care. And that's when I thought if he could lie about that, he could lie about anything. And I was out. Yeah. I just think that story is like, when I read it, I was just like, oh my God. Cause I didn't like Brussels sprouts till I turned 50. And I will tell you in Bend, <laughs> Oregon at 10 barrel East, they have the best Brussels sprouts ever. So like, I, again, why are you in Bend? Is that where you are? Are you yeah, in Bend? I'm in Bend. Beautiful. Oh, bend. cool. I love Bend. I'm going to, I know Bend. Yeah, I got to come out there again. I'll be out there, I think, soon. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. 
Okay, you can, yeah, we can have Brussels yeah. sprouts, like the best ever, truly, like not fake. Awesome, but okay. I love that story because um, I have a friend who, like I've known her forever. She just lies to make people feel good. And it's like, why? What, just don't it's say anything. Just don't say anything. You know, that's normally what women, women do that, right? That's an other oriented lie. And normally it's women who do that. They will say things, lies to make other people feel good. Whereas men will lie to make themselves look good. You know, uh, it's the, you know, I'm, I'm five foot, you know, six feet tall, whatever. And, you know, they're five of two or you know, that, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. But yeah, with this, I mean, he's obviously not a man. Um, I mean, not a woman, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know why people do that. I guess it's, you know, I actually, I shouldn't say that I'm lying to you because people, the more, the more popular people are the ones who lie. The more popular people are the ones who do obfuscate that tell stories and that really charm people. And a lot of what charm is in a lot of instances is, lying right it's telling people what they want to hear not necessarily the truth or spinning the truth in such a way i've heard the term and i can't remember who said it um toxic charisma yeah yeah sure i don't know if i've heard that but it makes total sense toxic charisma well that's what a lot of these people are right especially the, these narcissists that we always hear about they have the, they're charismatic you know celebrities politicians they have this charisma and they're I mean, ted bundy right was a tox- well he was the dark side of charisma harvard business review here's a story i'm just looking right now the toxic effects of toxic charisma yeah, yeah there's yeah toxic people in charisma charisma school can you go to school for charisma i guess you can that's interesting huh. oh my god maybe we should go <laughs> no i think see here's the problem i think i'm charismatic enough but i also and then then i think well but so how much do i lie you know because I, I and i try to you know you, I, you try to ingratiate yourself with people you try to make people i try to make people feel comfortable and make them feel at home especially when i'm well, and when I'm being social with them, but also when I'm interviewing them, but you don't, you don't tell them things that aren't true. That's, that's where, you know, you have to find a way to find something good and some way to make them feel good without making something up. Well, yeah. So that's the difference. That's the difference between a, a liar and not. So I'm looking at your website, abbyellen.com, uh, and you guys have to buy your books and I book duped because I'll put it in the show notes. But um, in 2019, you have the, he was the face of a bikeathon to cure cancer. He was also a fake, but then you have like a quadruple amputees first vow to walk down the aisle. I love how you have this sort of, oh my God, the world is terrible. And oh my God, the world is wonderful. You know, you have to balance. Can I swear? Am I allowed yes. to swear? You have to balance this shit with other stuff. I can't, you one of the things I looked, I, I took away from writing this book actually was that, and it's, it's my second book. The first book was about um, fact camps, but anyway, this book, the, the, the big takeaway for me was that people, people are really complicated and people are not just one thing. 
right? It's, it's, you know, when I look at my idol, my guru, I think someone, the most spectacular woman in the world, I think is Amal Clooney. I just think she's amazing. I think she's brilliant. I think she's beautiful. And my, in my head, I think, wow, this is my own limitation, but I think someone who is that smart and who's that focused on doing good, why would she want these, the sort of, you know, she looks like a, a fashion model every, every time she goes outside. Why would she care about fashion? Why, you know, but you can have both things, right? You can be brilliant and also be beautiful. And, and I mean, of course, it's stupid that, that I would say that, but it just, you can care about fashion as much as you can care about human rights. So I can care about exposing some guy who faked cancer because I think it's despicable and like the worst thing you can do, one of the worst things. And I can also care about this woman who lost four of her limbs and her vow to herself was, and this guy was, yeah, I'll marry you. I want to walk down the aisle. And she did. And I thought that was fantastic. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, so when I read your stuff, first off, I mean, I love the way you write because I don't say this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more. I'll tell you if you're lying. <laughs> no, no, I truly do. And um, actually I gave uh, your book to a, a friend slash lawyer of mine. And um, because she, I think is also a very good writer. You have like, it, it's, and I don't like this book educated. Did you read educated? I, no, see, I didn't. And I have not. I, I have to, I have to. And yet I don't know why I've been resisting it. I just don't know that I, I don't know. I haven't, I want to say that I don't care, but I do care because everybody in the world can't be wrong, can they? And they rave about it. So I need to read it, but you didn't like it. Well, I didn't, there were parts of it. I didn't like, I do think she was a good writer so I could appreciate her writing. I just didn't like the story as much, but I did really appreciate her writing Whereas like, I like your stories, but I appreciate your writing. So, um, thank you. Thank you. And like, See, said, and I'm just going to assume that you're telling me the truth. So there you go. Well, um, <laughs> I'm if nothing else, people tell me that I'm far too transparent. So I am telling the truth. I don't, I wouldn't say it. I would focus on something else. If instead of saying a lie, that's just, I had, I had someone tell me I was just too transparent. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? Is that a negative? Like I was shocked. He thought it was a negative. I don't think, you know, it's because I have people say to me, you're a little, you know, too blunt. And I don't think, I think there's a way of saying the truth, but without, without being harsh, right there, I guess there are ways to say things without being mean, but I, in my own life, I just, you can be blunt. Like I, I appreciate the directness. I, I really, in general, I appreciate it. Life is too short to beat around the bush for me, but a lot of people don't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. So you saw my list of questions. And of course it's like one of the questions, if you were going to write a book, what it would be about, well, you've written two, but are you working on a third? I am working on another book that has to do with fraud. So yes. Um, oh. And I am also, we sold my podcast, my duped the book um, to a podcast. So a company, I sold the movie rights, the film, the TV rights and the podcast rights. So it is going to be a podcast. It is a podcast it's supposed to be coming out, God willing in the fall. Um, that, you know, like an episodic thing, kind of like Dirty John with my story as the as the 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 main hook or the main thrust. And then I'm working on a few other projects, I'm working on a documentary film that has to do with an execution in Alabama. And then I'm working on um, something else. So, yeah, I'm I'm 
so yeah, I'm busy. Life, life is too short. So who do you want to play you in the movie rights? Oh my God. You're hilarious. I, who do I, you know, I joke. Who do I, I want Keanu Reeves to, to be somewhere in the movie. That's all I want. I don't care if he plays me or if he plays my love interest. Um, I just want to be able to hang with Keanu. So I don't know who I want to play me. I don't know. Probably, hopefully, somebody tall and blonde because I'm a short, dark Semite. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know how hard that is. Am I what? You haven't thought of anyone? You know, I really haven't. That's the truth, because I think the likelihood of it happening is so small. I mean, just because I've dealt a little bit in the Hollywood space. You talk about talk about obfuscation in in Hollywood. No means no. And yes means no. I mean, that's what I've noticed. They just can't. And no one can be direct. No one can just say, you know, your stuff sucks. Like, I don't want to work with you. They're like, yeah, OK, we'll be in touch. And then they ghost you. You know, it's just like, come on, people. You're not curing cancer here. Oh my God. So, okay. I listened to Dear John and I started to watch it and you know what? I, I, I like the podcast, but your story is so much more compelling than Dear John, except there wasn't a killing or an attempted murder, but like, honestly, your story, I, so you think so really? Yeah. Why? That, that's because interesting. First off, I don't know how she was so successful, like financially <laughs> successful. Like, truly, I was like, uh, you know, was she a grifter herself? No, she wasn't. But I just was like, and then how could she be that financially successful and be that blind to him? Well, that kind of gets at what I was talking about earlier, doesn't it, in a way? I mean, it's people, you can be two things at once. It seems hard to believe. How could you be such a brilliant business person and then such a moron in your own life? But, and I say this, you know, about myself too, not necessarily a smart business person, but a moron about my life. Um, except, except, I, I think it's a matter of, to tell you the truth, I think it's a matter of really being honest with yourself. I think that's what it is. And it's just probably a reason why I'm not married, never have been, because I think with any relationship, there's got to be a lot of looking the other way. Um, and I'm not good at that because I'm a little too honest. And so I think like in my situation um, with the guy I was with, I left him, like I said, within a year because I knew something was off. And I couldn't, I tried to keep saying something, you know, pushing it away, but I, I, I'm too honest and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I think Deborah Newell didn't want to see it. Like she made a conscious decision or an unconscious decision, but, you know, it was there that she didn't want to see what, what, whatever the tells were for whatever reason. That's what I suspect. Most people don't want to really look because it's their, to their benefit not to. Whether this is in a romantic situation, whether this is in a business situation, whether this is, you know, with a family member, anything neighbor you just you don't want to see it because it's to your benefit not to well so i'm pulling back um some notes that i just took from a guy who just contacted me because his partner just like business partner just stole a bunch of money and his quote i gotta pull his quote because it was like um he just said i thought i knew and trusted him and it, it this also goes to, and you probably know this term, optimism bias. We never think it's going to happen to us. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. Well, and, and it's also the betrayal, um, betrayal blindness. Same kind of deal. You never think it's going to happen to you. Why would it? Yeah. And, and the smarter you are, actually, the more 
the more uh, the more susceptible you are, precisely because you're so smart, you think it would never happen to me. So you are, you know, what's how do I say you're invulnerable to your vulnerability? Well, <laughs> I do this presentation for I call them the masters of the universe. And like, you know, they're all incredibly successful businessmen. It's a male group. And, um, you know, they're looking around and they look to the left and they're like, well, it could happen to him because you know what, he, he golfs a lot or he's not as smart as me. And then they'll look to the right and yeah, it did happen to him because you know what, he's just not as smart as me. And it's like, dude, you're next. <laughs> totally. Totally. But is this, is this in business or is this in life? Well, I mean, I, I love on the business side, but I'm business. Sure. yeah. <laughs> sure it's in life too so like one of my sort of cheesy questions and I'm very curious about this yes if you yes. could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self what would you tell yourself and I'm curious about your answer for this um I like to joke about that order the veal no um I'm kidding what would I tell my 18 year old self I would probably say, try to stop drinking so much Diet Coke. That's what I would say. Just because I don't know if it's bad for me, but it can't be good for me. But as far as the rest of my life goes, you know, I've had little hiccups along the way, right? But at the moment, I'm pretty happy with where I've landed so far. So actually, I do not believe that everything happens for a reason at all. I think you figure out the reason after and you make sense of it. And you create the reason, but I don't buy that, you know, nor do I believe the universe is, has my back and all that. Cause if it does, it's priorities are seriously <laughs> out, of, out of whack. Um, <laughs> you know, it should worry about climate change, you know, but, but, but I think that like, I'm really glad that I had that situation with, with the guy I was engaged to. I call him the commander. I'm thrilled with that. It, it launched my, you know, it helped this, this sort of focus in my career. I wrote this great book. I opened all these opportunities and it made me actually a savvier person personally and professionally. So I would not give that experience up. What do you think of that? Okay. Did you know Mark Cuban got ripped off his first business out of his MBA program? And he said, no, but I'm not surprised. Best thing that ever happened to him because he said that what he says? Yeah. Never happen again. That's right. That's right. Well, I, it did happen to me again in a much different level. I mean, I don't know if you remember in the book, but I was seeing this guy um, after, after a couple, I mean, like seven years later, who told me he was separated from his wife and they were, you know, they were separated the way you're separated when you're sitting across from somebody, you know, like by like a pitcher of water, <laughs> you know, they were not separated and he lied and that was really shitty, but um, it, I would never you know, no, I'm never going to get deceived again. But I mean, that's like your basic lie, right? I'm married when I'm not married when you are. But yeah, this I would never, I will not get duped again like I, I like by that. And you know, in the annals, in the annals of dupage, it wasn't terrible, right? There, they've been much worse. Um, but but it's still, it's still. It, it, I mean, it was definitely it sucked, but I'm glad it happened. I mean, I tell like a lot of, unfortunately, my fraud victims, it sucks now, but get back to what you're good at, which this made you, you know, not that you ever left writing, but I, I didn't read Teenage Wasteland, but um, that's okay. Duped is so good that like, if this hadn't have happened, I don't think your career would be where it's at. I mean, it might it's be not, it wouldn't have. Yeah, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. And I wanted, I let me, let me make it 
clear. You know, I've never, which is another reason I, I don't think I've been married. I've never gotten my identity from my relationship. A lot of people do, a lot of women do, and a lot of men do. But I've always, it's been my career. And I've always, you know, wanted to have my career on track before I, I did any of that other stuff. Um, and so I feel like it now is. And I mean, that, that, that's sort of unrelated, whether I, you know, find a part or not is sort of unrelated. But it's, it's, it's just that, I mean, let me say that again. You can delete that. If I find a partner or not, either way, I'm, I'm happy. This is where I wanted my career to be going. It's not where I want it to be or end up, certainly, but it's, it's in the right direction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy. Yeah, I well, And so this goes to another and we're like totally way off on the whole great woman and fraud. I, I, yeah, <laughs> let's we can talk about that. You know what? I, this is what I love the, about this is. You also have the article helping women over 50 face their financial fears. And um, I love this article. Um, My mom ended up getting divorced from my dad due to all of a sudden the lack of money coming in and women and money. Like I I just, I loved this article. So can you tell the audience a little bit about this article? I think, well, and that's, that gets into fraud. I was going to say that gets into Freud, but that would have been a, a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> that, that, that a lot of women, a lot of women, um, I think still to this day, uh, expect their partner, their male partner, assuming they're straight to take care of the financial stuff. And so a lot of women turn a blind eye and uh, it's this, and they don't want to admit it, but it's true. And they're like, he'll deal with it. And you can't, you have to know everything that's going on. You have to know, you have to be in charge of your own finances. The irony is that I know people who have espoused this, who have talked about this very thing and in their own, like become sort of gurus to other people on the subject. And in their own life, they were disastrous themselves. They like, they didn't practice what they preached. And it was one of them died and it was just really bad for everybody in their family. Like you need to do this. You need to have a will. You need to have all of your, everything in place for what you want when you die. There's like things you need to do and you need to know about the finances and you cannot rely on anybody. And I would say this, I mean, I would say this to men too, you know, if we're going to talk about women and fraud, like men have to know what's going on if, if they're, you know, with, with their female spouse at this rate. Yeah. You can't rely on anybody else. I'm sorry. You can't. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the other thing is that, um, I mean, I've always been in charge of the finances because basically what happened with my parents, but, um, I, I just think that like, you have to, you have to do it in my case, I have children. I want to protect them. I don't, did you ever read the, the book by Leslie Bennett's the feminine mistake? Yes, sure. I love that book. Sure. Yeah. You know what? She got a lot of crap thrown at her. She did. She did. And I still don't know why. Why did she? Why? Why? Why was that? I, I don't know why she did it. But like, I mean, I think she was brutally honest. I think she was really, really honest about, you know, the biggest socioeconomic predictor of your children's success is your socioeconomic background. Yep. And if you don't take charge of it, you know, I, yeah. So you've never, you haven't, you haven't done that. And that's part of the reason I think that like you're so good because you've always had to take care of yourself. I, you know, I, I have. I mean, I yeah, I think that's another part of it. There's I mean, it's it's 
probably not good. I, I think, I mean, in a way there's, you know, isn't the goal to be interdependent, but I, I just, my instinct has always just been to do my own thing and on every possible level. So I've never understood, I don't understand people who, I don't understand people who follow the advice of influencers. Like I don't understand anybody who follows anybody like blindly, you know, and that's, I've always been fascinated. This is a bit of a tangent, so feel free to edit this, but I've always been fascinated by Jim Jones and all the people who followed him. You know, I, I don't, I, I've never understood that. So I've never understood anybody who's just, it's different with romance because obviously, um, you know, there's your emotions going on there and you want to believe that your partner's has your best interests in mind and all of that, but they don't always, so you have to just take care of yourself. Well, one out of two marriages end in divorce. So like, I'll get, you know, just because I pick on dentists, you know, three out of five dentists get ripped off. And then every so often I'll meet a dentist and they'll say, or she'll say, my spouse does the books. And I'm like, do you know that one out of two marriages end in divorce? So like right there, you're not at a good, you know, percentage. And there's- Is it their spouse who rips them off? Um, well, if you, no, not all the time, but like in the last two years, I've had two dentists where they're now ex-spouses ripped them off one male, one female, or one husband, one wife. Um, so That's interesting. Sorry. Just because your spouse is watching the money doesn't mean your spouse won't steal from you. Totally. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And law yeah. enforcement doesn't like to get involved in those cases because they're like, um, that's family law matter. It's like, well, is it? Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I meet people. I hear these stories all the time, all the time. And uh, not, not so much with dentists, but I mean, in general, that you just didn't know what your partner was up to with money and they trust. And, you know, again, and why wouldn't you? You assume that this person has your best interest in heart at heart until that's not always the case until they don't correct yeah so what what are some of the best resources that you think have helped your career have you taken class you travel a lot i think travel i travel a ton i I, and that's also might be a problem because i i i yeah i need to go like like i i mean i even traveled during the pandemic like i i was i was out i was just like i can't just sit here um and i travel a ton i have two useless master's degrees. One, I have an MFA in creative writing and I have a master's in international relations. And I think that, you know, helped. It certainly didn't help make me rich, but it helped me with my career um, and my work. And, um, and I'm just terribly curious about pretty much everything. And I think that helps. I don't know if you can develop curiosity. Do you think you can? Or is that something you're just born with? Oh, that's so funny because in Great Women in Fraud, like, the guests that have come on curiosity is like one of their biggest things is being curious. And I just was listening to a podcast about being curious and like my dad called it me being Snoopy. And I'm like, I prefer mm-hmm. to be curious, but mm-hmm. it's Snoopy or curious. I'm just interested. Like, yep, that's right. Like in connecting dots. Like when I see someone who's like, you know, driving a Tesla and living in a mobile home doesn't make sense to me. Like, so, right. Right. Like I need to connect that dot. Like how is that Tesla in the motor, in the mobile home? Like, you know, whatever, no offense to either Tesla or mobile homes. (laughs) Maybe they need to make mobile Teslas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I just curiosity. Oh, that's good. You see, you fit right in with great women in fraud. There, there you go. Yeah. 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 
So do you have anyone that you think has been most influential to you in your writing? I'm thinking. Um, not, not, I mean, who I, I, who I relate to, who I emulate, who I love. I mean, it was so much of it. I, I have stories. I still have them because and my handwriting hasn't gotten any better. But I have stories that I wrote when I was like five years old. I mean, I was reading these Nancy Drew books and, and Little House on the Prairie. And, you know, that's, it was clear to me that I was going to write. I, I am so lucky. I'm so lucky because I knew what I was going to do. And so, I, I, you know, I don't want to say Nancy Drew is uh, Carolyn Keene, who I don't even think was a real person. Um, I think it was an amalgam, but that's who really helped me was, was just shaping that. And then later on in life, you know, reading, you know, reading Hemingway, reading Fitzgerald, reading Tolstoy, reading, you know, reading uh, George Eliot, reading the Bronte. I mean, you know, that's, that's, just reading that's you know so I, and then I had a, a couple of teachers um one in undergrad who I'm still very good friends with was one of my writing teachers her name is Barbara Adams and she uh was very helpful to me and very helpful after college and then one of my graduate school professors named Pamela Painter who's a brilliant fiction writer um but an even more brilliant teacher so they helped so education yeah, I guess there's education and reading a lot as a kid and being genetically, because I believe it is, being genetically predisposed to, to words, whereas I'm not genetically predisposed to numbers. I'm a mathematical imbecile. And I still, I count. No, this is true, Kelly. I count, I add it with my fingers. I can't even add. I'm surprised you didn't become a lawyer. I would love to be a lawyer. It's funny you say yeah. that. I keep thinking about, I keep thinking about going to law school. Oh, God, no. I, I do. I do. Oh, I think it would be so interesting. I don't know if I want to practice law, but I would love to learn. Okay. Okay. We yeah. can still be friends then. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> so that's one of okay. the things. One of my questions, if you had a chance to attend college now, you know, what would you do? Law school? Oh. Yeah, yeah I'd go to law school. Just to learn it. Just just to sit in. I, I do civil rights, human rights stuff. They are, I was just in Alabama working on this story. I was telling you about the, the documentary about this, this execution. And um, talking to all these lawyers, you know, they're not always, I don't, it was so interesting to me because defense attorneys, knowing somebody committed a crime and still defending them is so fascinating to me. And I asked somebody about this and she said, well, you, you're getting your emotion in the way. This is purely a logical thing. This is purely what is the letter of the law? What does the law say? You know, it's a different way of thinking. And I'd like to learn to think like that, even if I still, I don't think I could do it, but I'd like to learn to think like that. I love doing defense work. I mean, I've done prosecution and defense and I love the defense work. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you defend somebody you know is guilty for something heinous? You try to make the best deal possible for them. Like well, why? If they, someone does something heinous, well, then, I don't generally do heinous stuff. So, but still, it affects people. Um, I just, you know, I think good people make bad choices, and I think bad people make good choices. And so, do you do murder? No, I've never done a murder. Mm. No, yeah. but like on the prosecution side, I did sex cases. Like you know, when I was a special agent, those were rough. They were really, really rough. But it was on the prosecution side, so I, I don't know if I do it on the. <laughs> But everyone gets a defense. 
And there is bad, if nothing else in the last couple of years, there is bad police work once in a while. It's just, you know, there's bad apples in every field. So what about the people down south who were lynching and who were, you know, doing these terrible things? How do you do? What about, I mean, you know, they say every conversation, you know, anytime you get into a philosophical question and discussion, it always devolves into the Holocaust. But I mean, what about trying, you know, like uh, somebody who is, who is a guard in a prison camp, you know, and annihilating people? How do you defend that? It's, it's a rhetorical question. I don't know if yeah, you can answer that. Well, you know, the, the other, we kind of have digressed here, but I kind of love this. It's like behavioral science and Danny Kahneman and all of that is like, we aren't rational. We just aren't. Have you, have you got, speaking of books, have you gotten Danny Kahneman's new noise book? No, and I need to, I need to. Well, I he's all to. over podcasts right now. So like, okay, I have the book. I haven't started it, but um, he's, I love listening to him. I just, yeah. Well, no, we're not rational. And that's the, and, and again, we're not cohesive. Right. And there's the, 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 the part that's writing about, you know, fraud. And then there's a part of that's celebrating people who do amazing things in their lives. Right. And there's, I mean, I write about weddings sometimes too. Right. I mean, just straight out weddings, even with people who have all their limbs, like I, I write happy stories, right. We're not, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's about to split. We're not rational people, but I still, yes, that's how you can go to school one day and go, go to go home one day with your family and have a lovely lunch. Then you can go out and annihilate a bunch of people. There's the split. I still don't know that I could defend them, but that's okay. Cause I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That's we probably right. wouldn't be good lawyers because uh, yeah, I thought of law school briefly, but I didn't want to go into debt. So, it was But when you say you defended people, what, are you, what were you doing? So in like, what capacity? I was accused of embezzlement. I would, you know, go in and I'd take a look because sometimes like, I mean, I had one case where they overcharged her. They said that she stole like a ton of money. She had receipts. So, you know, they just weren't thorough. So I went through all the receipts and said, you know, okay, this receipt here, this was all legitimate business expenses. And they're like, how could it be? And I'm like, well, we've got like this invitation here for this event, for this nonprofit. So of course they need 50 pounds of hot dogs. How did you think that this woman here would eat 50 pounds of hot dogs, yet you charged her with stealing that money? Right. And then what were you doing when you were working? I know we're fl I'm flipping the, the interview <laughs> tables, but that's all right. I'm more comfortable in this role. What, uh, when you were doing investigations for Nike, what was that oh, about? Well, you know what? So have you heard the saying that um, creative people are, have a tendency to be a little more dishonest with Ariel? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Dino's work because yeah, they're creative. So, you know, Nike is a very creative company and people could become very creative with their expense reports or with their vendors or with services. So, you know, it's a huge company. And they're just if you look at the amount of, you know, narcissists slash psychopaths, 2%. So 2% of 60,000 employees kept us busy. Right. <laughs> So just because you work for a big corporation doesn't mean you can't be a, you know, do bad shit. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. you might not know this, but did you know the term white collar crime wasn't even a term until 1939? Because prior to 1939, people only thought of criminals as icky people, like people that were, you know, marginalized, poor, that had mental defects. The term white collar crime didn't even come into like 
you know, our vernacular until 1939. Really? Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And like, how many rich people commit crimes? Like, just because you're rich prior to 1939 didn't mean you were a criminal. Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It is fascinating. See, I'm going to tell you some, something else that's fascinating. Um, you have a blurb on your book from a woman named Beth Marikels Kessler, right? Yeah. I think she was my camper, my counselor at summer camp. Is that possible? No She's way. from New York? I don't know. I she, think she was. Think oh my God. Was. I'm going to have to, I'll connect you to see. That's so funny. Ask her, I, ask her if she went to Camp Kendale. I think she did. Camp I with. think she was Kendale, K-E-N-D-A-L-E. This wasn't fat camp. It wasn't just normal camp. I think she was my counselor. What do you think of that? You know what's so funny is I'm interviewing next her next week for my podcast. I'm telling you she was my counselor. I'm looking at her picture right now. <laughs> I am absolutely sure she was my camp. I, I, I would bet my last Diet Coke she was. And I think she, we were really close for a while. And then I think she punished me for something. And I was like, because I talked, I talked back to her. I think she's a couple years older than I am. Yeah, that's really funny. I think that's she. Anyway. God, that's hysterical. Yep. Small yep. world, yep. two degrees, Kevin Bacon. Yep. Not yep. Kelly Paxton, two degrees. Oh my God. Yeah. Kelly Paxton is two degrees. That's, that is for sure. So, um, what? <laughs> I guess, Sorry, I guess, we're like all over the place. No, but I just got like, um, someone called me out on this last week. Who's a people hacker, social engineer. Um, she's amazing. And you should interview her. I'm going to hook the two of you up. Um, Jenny Radcliffe, you got to hook her up or look her up. Okay. The people hacker. But I do this question. So what haven't I asked you that you want to tell people? And she goes, oh my God, that's such a law enforcement catch-all question. But it's a good question. It's not What's a, yes a people no. hacker. What's a people hacker? What does that mean? Ooh, she breaks in ethically to buildings and homes and to like do security penetration testing. Oh, you're going to love her. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I ask the same question with people. What have I missed? That's what I say. What have yeah. I missed? What do I want to talk about? Um, well, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, there's a ton of things, but you covered a lot. So you covered a lot. I mean, it, this has actually been really, really, really fun. Um, <laughs> because it's no, cause we've sort of riffed and it's, and it's, and it's cool, you know? So there's nothing I really need to tell people. They can go to my website. They can follow me. But I mean, I'm not haven't actually put out a newsletter or anything. So you can follow me without getting any return. So that's like the kind of like, that's the kind of following I like to do where it looks like I'm following you, but I don't really want to hear from you. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's buy the book, read the book, listen to the yeah. book. The book is truly like I've given this gifts for people because I just. Oh, have you really? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh my God. I gave it to an attorney friend who, um, as she says, her uh, least favorite ex-husband, you know, duped her. And um, so I thought it, I thought it would perk her up. I don't know if it perked her up, but it certainly perked me up. And um, yeah, I just. I well, you, you know, sorry, go on. No, no, I, I just, I love the fact that like, the, your story is so relatable. I, it just like, it's real. It's not, but it's also, it's also a little bit cliffhanger-ish. 
You think, well, you know, the thing is that the book people are expecting, I want to make this clear. People are expecting a memoir. It's not a memoir. I mean, it is a memoir on the thread thread throughout the book, but it's also an investigation into why we lie and why we trust and, you you know, how we deceive and whether or not it's possible to even detect lies. And, you know, so that's, I didn't want to just write a memoir about myself. I was really interested in the psychology of it. So that's what the book is. I just don't want to, misrepresent. Well, that, that was the thing. I was expecting more of a memoir. And then when I read it, I was like, oh my God, she did a lot of research. And I remember when we talked, I was in my basement before COVID, but when we talked, I was like, you're doing like a lot of research. So it wasn't a memoir. And I mean, I would have been fine with a memoir, but I, I was really impressed with the amount of research that you did. Thank you. Well, you helped. You're in my, I have a, 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 a chapter on pink color crime and that's you, you know, cause I just wanted people to know that it wasn't just men who do this. I don't think it's fair to malign one gender or a non-binary person. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, you know, yeah. Well, the sure. thing is like, you know, we can't, people have to understand not to victim shame. And this is another good thing about yours. Cause I'm, this is my like monthly soapbox is let's stop victim shaming. So people could sit there and go, well, how did she not know? But it's like, but we and- just, we did that. Didn't we do that? Kelly, didn't we do that with Deborah and Newell a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, so many people, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but it's like, it's really so many people will go onto like a news website and you'll go and see their Facebook stuff and comments of like, how didn't they know? And it's, that's just our first reaction. But then I think if we stop and actually think about it and go, wow, it could happen. Oh, that's what we were saying earlier. No, it could totally happen to you because we're, we don't want to see what we don't want to see. It's exactly that. But I think, and it's hard to imagine, just like it's hard to imagine how someone like, you know, could be so great in business and so utterly stupid in their personal life or, or not in stupid, blind, you know, missing things in their personal life. But I think yeah. it's, you know, actually, I, I shouldn't even say that. I have friends who are business people who were terrific business people and they didn't know that their office manager was stealing from them. They had no idea because they trusted her. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I want to have you back after you have your next book or before. Okay. When, when okay. You have like an ongoing invitation because I just, I love talking to you. And, um, and I just, like I said, I love your writing because it, it I, when I see that you have a story, I'm like, is it going to be like a happy uplifting story or is it going to be, <laughs> but I always learn. I mean, truly. No, thank you. Well, life is not always uplifting, is it? Well, I mean, this past year sucks, right? It's not always uplifting. Yes, and and you know that. Yeah. You know, so, but you got to balance the non-upliftingness with things that are marginally uplifting. You know, you have to. Otherwise, I, 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 I can't. I can't. And I'm not a Pollyanna, but I need something good. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will have you back. And I can't thank okay. you enough, Abby, for being on. Thank you. And when I have one, um, a podcast, you'll come on mine. Oh, I would love it. Okay. Deal. Okay. I feel a little guilty because I had so much fun and just get to hang out with amazing people, but you guys get nuggets and I hope they are helpful too. Abby called me out on victim shaming. Touche. It is easily done. 
Next week we are going to mix things up a bit. I am going to do some quick hit questions so you can get to know the guests even better. Kind of like a speed round. Be ready. Be sure and get Abby's book. It really is great. I have given it as gifts and it is so much more than her story. She is a great researcher and you heard her say how curiosity is so important. That is a common theme for great women in fraud. Have a great week and talk to you next week. Thank you.